You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. All right, I'm very honored to welcome in actor Kelly Acoin, and I'm not honored because he's a well-known <laughs> actor. I'm honored because he just had a second COVID shot yesterday. <laughs> he's got to be feeling a little lousy, but he still made time to come in with his boy, Aaron Fetches. How you doing? How you doing? It's great to see you. Yeah, I'm, I'm a little spacey. I'm just going to say that right up top. I can't barely move my arm, but <laughs> other than that, I feel fine. My wife said she felt like she was hit by a truck for about seven or eight hours, uh, but, uh, but for me, it's just... Uh, who knows what I'm going to say? Just a little loopy, Aaron. <laughs> Ooh, this sounds good. I, I, I don't want to make you feel bad off the top, but Uh-oh. I had my second COVID shot last week <laughs> and barely any soreness. And I kept waiting to feel fatigued or sick and it never happened. Wow. So I'm just COVID Iron Man, I guess. Wow. I know. Okay. Okay. Yeah, so, I see where we're going. Now, yeah. my understanding is <laughs> that the level of discomfort you feel is in exact proportion to the level of your overall uh, fitness. And, oh, uh, okay. I think. I don't know. So, <laughs> if you knew me, if you could see me right now, if I stood up, you'd know that wasn't true. <laughs> nice. Anyway. All right. Before we jump, now you're a huge Blazer fan. Everyone knows that. Before we jump into Blazer land, and I get all your thoughts and feelings on the past, the present, Blazers. Uh, let's talk about Billions. Now, uh, a few years ago, we met when you did a show with myself and Dwight James. And then you came on the bridge with myself yeah. and Serena and Bree. Yeah. Uh, and I had never heard of the Billions. And Dwight told me and you were on. And so I jumped in. And I, I think that <laughs> you guys were three seasons in or something like that. Something like and that. And I binge watched it. And I became hooked. And, oh, um, oh, it was it was painfully aware when I was on that you had no idea what I know, the show was I about. Know. <laughs> <laughs> Dwight had given me a little bit of a a rundown of it, but I was just like, "Billions? What is this billion thing? <laughs> I'm not a Showtime guy. I'm an HBO guy." <laughs> but <laughs> but I went and I crashed watched it, and I was like, "Oh, this is fun. This is cool." Um, so I so I watched season five, and then actually I was like totally clueless. Like it it was like there's only seven or six episodes or seven. You guys have started eight, right? Or started seven and you have finished six? We um, we aired hit. seven and aired we seven. started episode eight. We sort of dipped our toe a couple days. Because okay. it, it ended at seven. I was like, well, that was kind of short. <laughs> what happened there? And I wasn't, I wasn't even thinking about the fact that you guys probably had to halt production because of the pandemic. But yeah. what's it been like waiting to get back to the show? And where's that right now? Yeah, thank you for remembering the global <laughs> pandemic. Uh, I, we did have some people. Actually, people were getting really, really uh, – I'm an, act, an active Twitter person right tweeterer um and uh, we did have some people who were like what is going on why (laughs) can't you you finish why did you stop at seven and we're like um 
The same read, reason why you're sitting at home on your couch, right? Right. Like, do you read newspapers? <laughs> Probably no. Uh, but uh, yeah, so uh, we had a we had a great time right. shooting, and it was actually kind of interesting. Episode seven was a pretty different episode initially than the one we aired because initially it was going to be, um, uh, 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 you know, a mid season episode. So you can do some, you can have some digressions, some interesting sort of some weird things and, um, uh, experiment a little bit if that's the word, I guess. Um, and because of the pandemic, it ended up becoming this kind of mid season semi finale. Mm-hmm. So they had to really, they couldn't leave people with some of the, uh, some of the ideas that we had because it was just sort of, it, it wouldn't make sense. It wasn't, a, it wasn't a good, um, holder, right? Uh, placeholder. So they did a brilliant job of retooling it so that it actually became something that could sort of hold people's, uh, uh, attention for the next, and we, we didn't know. I mean, when we left, I was on set for the last scene, the last night we shot and, as the crew is packing up two schools out, you know, the, the, that's Nugent, I think, uh, playing over the speakers. Uh, we all were like, all right, we'll see. Uh, hopefully it's no more than two months, right. you know, and then, uh, a year and six days later, I was back on set for the first time. Wow. Crazy. Yeah. And so you're completed. No, the show isn't done yet. So, your parts are done. Yeah. We've been back since March, okay. uh, the beginning of March. Um, we had a big day with, it was like a COVID t- uh, slash tech rehearsal. So going through what the protocols were going to be, everything from how we have lunch now, uh, whether there's craft services, how, what route we take from the dressing room to the set and, um, what type, type of PPE we have to wear to when we start shooting and what, what's the, what are the regulations and protocols about rehearsing, all that stuff. Um, and that was right before March. Anyway, March 1st, we all got back. Started shooting. My my first day was March nineteenth, mm. and um, and then I just wrapped my se- my personal season five stuff this last Monday. So it's like you okay. don't do anything for a year, and then all of a sudden it's like boom, crash course, and then it's gone again. So now I'm sitting again. <laughs> it's just so, weird. So do they make you film all your scenes regardless of the chronological order, or did you guys go show by show, episode film, by episode? Film and TV is uh, is almost never. Uh, chronological. Usually we shoot, uh, under normal circumstances, we shoot, um, uh, episode to episode. Uh, so yeah. we do shoot yeah. those chronologically, except for some special or difficult, uh, locations that we might have to wait for. Then you might be shooting a scene from episode three while you're actually shooting episode six, you know, that kind oh. of thing or reshoots sometimes. Um, but within those two weeks where we shoot, we generally shoot an entire episode. It's almost never in chronological order. It's just about, okay, let's get all the axe cap stuff in Axe's office. Now let's move downstairs. Um, uh, and now this week it's all Chuck Rhodes' house, you know, that kind of stuff. That makes sense. This year, though, we, we're doing a lot more of what you call block shooting, which means um, we're shooting all the, like we shot, it was a week where we shot, um, uh, I think, scenes from Axe Cap every day during uh, the whole week. From four different episodes from nine, 10, 11, and 12. Yeah, um, see, that's what and, sounds weird. And it's great. It's, yeah, it gets really weird just because you need to, you have to keep even more up on, um, on the script where your character is. <laughs> well, the script, but also right. where, what, yeah, what, yeah. what is the, the general story, right. uh, which is script, of course, but it's also yeah. the sort of general wash. What has happened here? I'm shooting this scene before this catastrophic event happened. And then we go to afterwards and then back again. And you have to remember where you are. And, 
I've heard some actors sort of right. have a numeric scale. It's like, all right, I'm at a 10 here. Okay, I'm at a six. No, 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 you shouldn't be. You, know, you got to bump it up to an eight, you know, or that. No, come on. You're, you're at a two. <laughs> Just as a way to sort of gauge and remind yourself where you're supposed to be. That sounds extremely challenging. <laughs> it's confusing. I mean, seriously, that's like, wait, 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 I forget. Am I really angry now because this yeah. happened or, or am I happy because that happened? Oh, no, you're pissed off because this is going to happen. We're going to film that next week, though. Oh, okay. Right. And what do like, you know? Does he know that? Do, do, do you know that Mafee did this and 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 uh, and that Wags? No, but do I know that right. yet? Wait, did that? I, I I just shot a scene where I know, so I know that. Oh no, but that was a scene from two episodes later. Now you're wrapped up with that, and you have another project that you're uh, deep, taking a deep dive in, a uh, podcast that airs on YouTube called The Dominant Ones with Legendary. Dunk master Dominique Wilkins, who yeah. I saw in one episode where you, you referred to him as one of your childhood heroes. Although, yeah, not, I mean, he's not that much older than us, but still, what, what's it been like doing that with him? Well, like when I was when I was twelve to fifteen, he, yeah, was, he was um he was at his peak, you know. But um but he was young, yeah. Of course, he was maybe ten years older than me. Yeah. Maybe he's ten years older. Was he was now he's more like fifteen years older than me, <laughs> right? Because <exactly. laughs> I'm slowing down. Um. And, you know, he was right up there with me with Drexler and, um, and Bird and Magic and like right before Jordan really ascended, like there was that, that group that were just, yeah. you know, flipping brilliant. How's that? Flipping? Does the that, 80s does that group that people like to disrespect today, like they were, yeah, good, which just pisses me off. I'm I sure love, you've seen me go at people on Twitter about that. I have. <laughs> I think I've joined in a couple of times. Um, <laughs> the, I love watching people do those reaction shots, like, um, you know, uh, 2000s, basketball fan watches Larry Bird for the first time or watches, right. you know, that kind of thing. And they're like, Oh my God, I had no idea. He just right. looked so slow. It's like, well, just pay attention. Right. <laughs> um, so yeah. So uh, Dominique was a fan of the show. Um, in the first season, somebody, uh, a guy named Frank Hartz, actor named Frank Hartz, who's, uh, he got something else. So he wasn't on after the first season, but he was great. And during this one scene with Chuck Rhodes, he says, you know, they've got something that's going to really work. And so he says, Dominique all day. And everyone looks at him like, what? And then he's like sort of awkward and says, Wilkins. Like, come on, you guys know. And nobody knew. It was it was hilarious. And so um, not long after that, Neek, I was tweeting about it. Um, and Neek um, uh, DM'd me and said, I'm doing this podcast called The Dominant Ones. Would you, can we fly you down to Atlanta and we talk about your career? And I, I said, I think before I even finished reading the, the DM, I was yelling, yes, uh, <laughs> I'm in, I'm in. So I went down, we hit it off. Uh, it was a good interview. And I remember he was saying like, that was more like a conversation than an interview. That was really fun, which is how I like to do them. Um, and he's on the board of this organization called Culture City. And the two people who were sort of helping him do the filming were, are with a co-found, are the co-founders of Culture City. And it's an autism awareness and rights, uh, uh, organization. And so they started pitching me to join. And um, I did got to know Nick a little bit better. And then during the early part of the pandemic to keep busy, I was doing these IG live interviews, which I uh, when I start them back up again, I'm going to get you on. Sure. Um, just free flowing top ahead, no script, no, you know, no agenda conversations uh, for like an hour. You're going to get me in trouble, but go ahead. It's real. It's real fun. <laughs> but the, the, the viewership is real low. So I think we're okay. Um, and the, when he, when a sponsor wanted to, when someone wanted to sponsor Neek's second season, they all thought, well, let's get, let's get him a, a co-host. And they were watching the IG lives and like that sort of free form kind of, um, deep dives into whatever esoteria came up. Um, and, um, 
And he asked me to join. And again, I was like, before he finished saying the words, I was like, yes. <laughs> uh, so we had 10 episodes of dropped. Last one was last week. Marcus Lamonis. Um, they're on YouTube still. Um, first guest was Dwayne Wade, which was, yeah, you know, blew my mind. Um, actor Randall Park. Um, uh, Holly Robinson, Pete, Dr. Holly Robinson, Oz. Pete and Charlemagne, the God, um, uh, uh, Alex Cornishelli, who's an iron chef and among many other things. It was just a great, interesting mix of people. We had a, we had a really, really fun time and, um, looking forward to season three. Nice. Yeah. Um, I, was it, was that the original Iron Chef? Uh, she, I, I, I don't know if she, no. I mean, oh, there was, okay. Yeah. I'm, so, I'm thinking of the guy that who was like the very, um, oh, yeah. Flamboyant I, guy wore the outfits and, you know, it was very, <laughs> right. When I, it, no, but she was on the Iron Chef uh, okay. and had, you know, competed and oh, maybe was a judge, okay, although okay. I think that's different. But anyway, she's won that uh, a number of times. I think Supermarket Confidential. I can't, Alex is a friend and I should know the names of her shows, but. <laughs> Uh, but she's great. And her Instagram feed is, is real fun too. It has uh, a lot of uh, great ideas for cooking stuff. And she was, it was really fun during the pandemic when she was like, well, this is what we can get. You're going to spend a lot more time cooking. You might as well enjoy it and learn some new things. And, and she's great too, uh, because of, of all the chefs I've seen, she's one of those handful that really don't give an F and um, they, not about their job, but how you what you think of them in a way. So it's just off the cuff. It's just so like, right. yeah, do it this way. It's, it's and it's not that she's com- uh, uh, confrontational. It's just that um, it's just got that. Hey, this is me. You like it or not? All right, get some butter. You know, <laughs> <laughs> love it or leave it. Yeah. Um, okay, so you were born in Hillsboro, right, or yeah. in Portland? But you didn't grow up in Portland, Oregon, right? You no. You grew up was, back east because your dad was in the House of Representatives? It was a combination. I was born in Hillsborough, but never lived there. I uh, grew up first up through like second grade was in um, Forest Grove, Oregon. Okay. My dad worked at um, at uh, Pacific University. And then, uh, yeah, my dad was elected to the state legislature. and we, he was So we were in um, Salem for four years. And, uh, and then he was elected to the U S house of representatives and we moved back to DC in 1975, okay. January 75. Um, and he was there too through 92. So we were back and forth. We'd spent a couple I mean, he was, he spent at least 10 days out of every month back in the district. Um, for a chunk of time, my family went back to central Oregon where my parents are actually from originally. And my mom helped my aunt run the family restaurant that my grandfather had started. So we were in, uh, we were living outside of sisters for a couple of years, which made it really challenging on my parents because he had, to, when he was back in Oregon, he had to be in the first district, the Northwest. And then he had to, you know, t- either take a puddle jumper or drive three hours to get to us. So anyway, it was, it was a tough time. It was great for us kids getting back into Oregon nature. Right. Uh, then back high school uh, in DC and college in Ohio. So I ended up for college. I ended up in the middle geographically. <laughs> Oberlin. Yeah. One of my good friends with the Oberlin who says he knows you, David Austin, former reporter from the Oregonian. Oh yeah, totally. Yeah. He's, oh he's, great. He was in, uh, he was, well, he and my older son were my best man's best men in my wedding. Dave and I are really good friends. I'm his son's godfather, Julian. Oh, that's great. Tell him I yeah, said, Hey, small world. Yeah. I, I saw, I saw on Facebook that you went to Oberlin and I knew he did too. He said you were there before him though, right? You were gone. Great. Great. Rub it in. 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Wow, Aaron. No, wow. Actually, I take no. I take that back. Yeah. No, it's the other way around. He's older than you. He's older than us. I don't even so know if that's true, dad. but no, uh, it is true. But he, I'm very I just happy. He, you're one year older than me. He's three years older than me. So okay. Anyway, <sighs> so tell me about how you re- stayed or became a Blazer fan since you really didn't spend a ton of time <clears throat> in Oregon. I mean, you spent some, but not all your life. Well, it was a pivotal, pivotal time. Um, so. I do remember my first, and I've said this before, so anybody listening who's heard this story, screw you, I'm telling it anyway. Um, <laughs> it's when I, <laughs> I, my very first memory of watching the Blazers was in our house on Ash Street in Forest Grove, and there was this wrecking ball on the floor, just like dunks and rebounds and blocks and just, you know, in my memory, it was like, snatch the ball out of thin air and drive all the way down, rip the rim off, whatever. I was just like, hey, I don't know who that guy is, but he's amazing. And my dad said, yeah, it's too bad that this is maybe literally the only good game he's had. And his name <laughs> his name was LaRue Martin. Um, LaRue. Not, I'm being harsh. I mean, he, he, <laughs> it wasn't that bad, but uh, he seemed, apparently he's a, he's a very nice guy. Right. But anyway, so my first, the first time I saw someone in a blazer uniform on TV was that game. And it was just like, wow, that's, this is, this is very exciting. Um, and my dad had been an all state basketball player back in, um, the early sixties. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was in his blood. And so we would play basketball out back. Um, when and we we shared that when we moved to dc it was a hard it was a, an adjustment it was a big city um compared to a small little town and i was sort of shy but about a year after we got there bill walton really ascended you know mm. it was that team so it was like a little bit of oregon telling me everything was going to be okay so mm. at Ten, nine or ten years old, they win the championship. All the kids at the playground down the street who were making fun of me when they were down zero and two to Philly, <laughs> and they all knew Dr. J. They barely knew who Bill Walton was. They didn't right. even know. Like they were like, "Where is Portland? Where is, is that Oregon? like near Ohio?" <laughs> um, and uh, so it was like I was for about half a day. The next time I went to the that playground, I was like a little celebrity because mm. we had won. You know, so did that's you, did, that's how we rocking proud. the gear. Did you have some gear? It was so hard to get gear back yeah, then. Yeah, I bet. You know, I have, I still have a couple things. I've got, like, you can see, no one else oh, yeah, came okay. behind me. I've got a couple of these. That's you got a the big giant pen and a photo of that yeah, Walton Duncan. That's Walton. That's Sports the cover of Sports Illustrated. Okay. Signed by Bill Walton. Oh, nice. And then over here, I got my uh, Maurice Lucas signed over there. Oh, yeah. Okay. So, yeah, I was a little bit of a fan. That's but awesome. that, you know, that's, yeah. a perf- that's a perfect time for fandom to really be fired, you know, crystallized. Definitely. And that's the same thing for me with my team. Like Walter Payton. Walter Payton was the first thing I remember seeing as a kid playing football. And I was like, oh my God. The next thing I knew, I was a hooked Bears fan. And I love Walter Payton to this day. So, yeah. And you're still a Bears fan? Seven. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I was originally from Chicago, but I I, I discovered, well, my parents moved when I was five to the Bay Area. And that's when Payton came in the league. Yeah. And so I was kind of detached from the Bears. And I was only six or seven. And then I see this guy who's amazing who plays for the team. From the city where I used to live when I was in diapers and boom, you're just like, that's it. You're done. That's so we, we have a really similar story. I mean, I was already, yeah. I always already liked the Blazers quite a bit, but it was, it was really crystallized like a year after we left. Yeah. Um, By funny. some, some guy you saw on TV. Yeah. Like, oh my God. Oh, and I'm originally from there. So, oh my, this is fantastic. I know. It's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Another thing that's kind of funny when I was looking up uh, uh, information on your dad, 
I noticed that he went to Portland State and finished at Pacific, which is exactly what I did. Oh my <laughs> God. Seriously? We're practically twins. We're no, practically twins. And we're bald. And we're bald. Yeah, we are follicular <laughs> brothers, definitely. <laughs> but yeah, I started thinking, I wonder how many people went from Portland State to Pacific and graduated. But he 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 wasn't teaching there when I was there. When, when he stopped teaching there, probably the 70s. He didn't right? teach there, actually. Oh, he, he did? Um, oh. I mean, he might have gone to teach a workshop or a, oh, okay. um, an adjunct thing I or thought two. he taught there. But he was, um, he was, uh, he taught at, um, Southern Oregon University for, oh, okay. uh, for okay. quite a number of years. Okay. So, all right. So you're a huge Blazer fan as a kid. The Blazers win the title. You're, you're walking around DC with your chest puffed out. You're talking trash. Like, yeah, take some fools. Yeah. Um, and then of course they haven't won a title since <laughs> now. <laughs> now, uh, let's, I want to start the Blazer discussion. Let's, let's start present day. We'll, okay. we'll, we'll go to the past. We'll go back in time a little bit first. But let's go to present day just because I want to get your take on where you are as a fan with this team. A lot of fans are disappointed. They feel like this team should be a contender. They, some people are blaming Stotts, which I don't, I'm not in that camp. But what, what do you think about where the Blazers are right now, where the franchise is right now? I, I don't blame Stotts either. Um, I think that there's the, – Historically, there's way it's it's way too people are way too quick to to dump on a coach, um, and I hate the make and change just for change sake. I hate right. that. Um, anyway, um, it, it, yeah, it's a I mean, obviously, it's a frustrating season. Um, the injuries, the the new team um, was very exciting. Um, I had you know contention hopes. I, I don't know if I thought to me they might have been a sneaky contender. Um, if everything gelled, not that they would be uh, by any stretch of a favorite. And I, I hope I don't offend anyone by saying that, but that was just my feeling. <laughs> I've said um, it numerous times. Be yeah. free. Feel free. <laughs> but I do on paper. It's this team should really work. And at mm-hmm. times it does. Um, I, I think early on, some of the struggles had to do with just a bunch of new parts trying to figure each other out. Then the injuries didn't help. Um, Dame going nuclear obviously uh, helped uh, buoy us for a chunk of the season. And it's, it's amazing that we have someone who can do that. And I hope Blazer fans are savoring every minute of this guy because he's special, man. Yeah. Um, But it's, uh, it, it, it's frustrating that, that too often it doesn't seem to quite gel, you know, last two games losing by one point to really good teams. But we have, we have the capability. Um, it's just something is not quite gelling consistently. And I don't know what that is. Maybe it's time. Maybe it's true that we'll, we'll, we'll get into the playoffs and, um, and about that time we'll gel and we'll be scaring the crap out of everybody. Um, we seem to do that a lot though. We do scare the crap out of people when we sneak into the playoffs and I'm, I'm sick of that. I want, <laughs> I'm not sick. I, Look, I love this team and, and there are, there are other reasons to love teams than to win championships. Um, overachieving is amazing. Um, each game can be incredible. Um, what we have been treated to for years is, uh, is a series of Blazer teams that have overachieved in the face of usually injuries, but in the face of, um, of adversity. And that's makes me proud. It's exciting. Um, even the first year we had Odin, when he was out, we went ran off what was eleven straight games, and um, I remember how thrilled everyone was with that. I, it, and I still hang on to that. You know, I don't even know if we made the playoffs that year, but I still hang on to that. 
So I love this team desperately, um, but it comes with uh, a sort of inherent sadness, if that makes sense. No, I hear you. Very it's- melodramatic the way I said it, but uh- – <laughs> No, I hear what you're saying. It's – you know, it's in a smaller market in a league where A, bigger markets are more attractive to stars and stars are joining forces. Yeah. Right? So if you're that team that really can't attract free agents, marquee free agents, and they never really have, and you can't – if you trade for someone, can you get that guy to stay beyond a year or two years? If you can't do that, you have to hit on the draft every year yeah. or you're never going to have a chance to contend. And then Lillard gives you a guy that you did draft who's a superstar who wants to stay because most guys like Lillard probably would have left before they signed that max extension. So you're good enough. Like you have this guy and you're good enough to to be entertaining. They're entertaining as hell. They've yeah. always been fun to watch. Yeah. But you just don't have that one extra piece to get over the top. And you watch, you know, like when the Warriors won 73 and then got Durant. Like that's just obnoxious, right? Especially yeah. if you're someone like Portland. So as a fan, as a true deep dark diehard fan, how do you reconcile the fact that it may not happen for a long time unless they get lucky in the draft? And before I don't want to depress you, but I'm sure you know this already. It's like the year they drafted CJ, Giannis went a few picks later. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah. and no, I don't think it was to blame Neil Oshie because a lot of people pass on Giannis because no one knew Giannis was going to be what he yeah. is. But like, had they taken him? Yeah. The Blazers could be looking at winning two, three, four in a row. Could be, yeah. I mean, and you wonder about who the third person would be, but you get people like Gary Trent coming up, you know, you, if you, if, if you got. I don't know if you'd some, need a third person with Lillard, Giannis, but. I maybe not, but, but, it, but yeah, maybe not. Um, yeah. And, and am I making this up? Did we actually have the pick where Giannis was taken and we traded up to get CJ or was, did we just have CJ? I don't remember. Uh, I, might I don't remember them trading. That up. I thought I remember I something about us trading right. away rights to the Greek freak of, in some form, not rights, but uh, I have a vague recollection of that. Um, but yeah, no one knew Giannis was going to be this. Right. Um, uh, yeah, he went how, 15th and CJ went 10th. Okay. And there was no trade. No trade. Okay. Okay. Um, it's hard. You know, I'm, I'm not a fan of the super team in general. Uh, it, it, I had a, you know, Keith Irizarry, he's, um, he's, uh, I don't think he does basketball anymore, but he had a, he had a, um, ESPN radio show and I was on for a few hours with him one time and we talked about everything and we got, uh, Steve Kunkin who plays Ari Spiros on, um, uh, and we, and he and I ended up having an argument about super teams and he's like, it's better for the league, which is exactly what I think is wrong. It was incorrect right. because small markets get screwed and, pr- and eventually the small markets, potentially the danger is that the audiences lose interest because they, they don't have a fair chance. His take though is any casual fan wants to see that Miami heat team. Any casual fan wants to see these warriors. Any casual fan now wants to see the nets. Um, and so I see his point. It just, it just, it's a bitter pill to swallow because it's not. I love those years when rivals kind of hated each other, right? You know, <clears throat> I love those years when they're like, "I will never go to the Celtics or whatever." <laughs> <laughs> you know, you'll never see me in green. Well, there's a um, quote from Reggie Miller where he says, "Had Michael Jordan ever asked me to come join forces with him, I would have told him to f off." <laughs> see, yeah. And it, would have, it be. and it would have guaranteed them a couple more championships, probably. Um, although he did pretty well with Scotty. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Uh, I think uh, it's – and look, I, I'm a huge Nets fan. I live like a 12-minute walk from the stadium, and I've gotten to know Sean Marks a little bit because um, he's a Billions fan, and um, and he's a great guy. I loved what he was doing before they got Kyrie and, and Durant. Mm-hmm. And it was like, look, we have no cap space. We've got uh, – we've traded away our draft picks. So we're getting uh, quality guys – and we're moving everything to Brooklyn. Like, I guess they had some training facilities elsewhere, but everything's now going to be based in Brooklyn. It's all going to be community oriented. We're going to really like, like, like set our roots down here and be part of the community. And I love that. And then, you know, a year later, it's like, oh, we can get KD and Kyrie. Okay. Boom. <laughs> but even with that team, they made the playoffs. And granted, it was the East, right. but, um, you know, and Spencer Dinwiddie all of a sudden is like, wait, who the hell is this guy? And he came yeah. out of nowhere that year. Um, so it, it, it's hard. It's a bitter pill. Um, I kind of, what I sort of tend to hope is that the great redemption story, uh, with Carmelo might show people around the league, some older guys maybe that, um, have a lot left in the tank, but aren't quite at that superstar level, not even quite, who aren't at that superstar level anymore that could come in and be some of those third and fourth powerful pieces that we need. Uh, I think the Blazers have probably, if people, if players are paying attention, the Blazers have probably engendered a lot of goodwill from that. Yeah, no, and I agree. It's just, it's always going to be hard when two superstars can say, Hey, let's link up. Yeah, I know. And then everyone else is like, well, wait a minute. That's not fair. Now, some people say, well, the eighties had super teams. And you could say that, but like you look at the Lakers, the Lakers traded for Kareem. They'd won 32 games a year before yeah. when they traded for Kareem. And then it was several years later when they drafted Magic. Yeah. And they drafted Worthy. Yeah. Right. It's not like Magic and Kareem and Worthy called each other and said, Hey, let's rendezvous in LA. Right. You know, same and thing with Boston. Same thing with Boston. They, they, they I think they, so they drafted, <clears throat> didn't they? I know they, they drafted, drafted Bird, Bird a year they, before he was able to come over. Right. And then um, they traded the number one overall pick. Or Parrish. Which ended up being Joe Barry Carroll for yeah. Parrish and the pick that ended up being McHale. Which is – that's just that's just a great move. It wasn't people right. teaming up. That was just – Exactly. And, and Parrish was with um, San Francisco. At the Golden time, State. Yeah, yeah, Golden State, San Francisco. Pre- yeah. 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 And and Joe Barry Carroll was supposed to be like – Yeah. I mean, he was like a Shaq kind of figure yeah. coming out. So that was – people thought Boston was crazy. Yep. I know. So, so, but now you have one of the greatest front lines ever. But they, so yeah, so you can say it was a super team, but it wasn't like Bird, McHale, and Paris call each other up and said, let's run. You know what I mean? So that's what's different about it. Joe barely cares. (laughs) Joe barely cares, right. (laughs) And the people will throw on my face, well, Jordan had Pippen. Well, the Bulls drafted Pippen. Well, they they traded for Pippen on draft day. Right. Out out of a, out of a NAIA school. Yeah. Yeah. No one was right. <laughs> right. So that's, that's a smart move. That's a smart move. It's like, you know, Terry Porter coming from Wisconsin Stevens yeah, Point. You know, exactly. like we've we've done well. The Blazers have drafted well historically yes. in the lower the lower picks. Right. We don't pretend we don't tend to do as well with one and two. <laughs> um but you know, we got or Kersey, three. Or or three. We got Kersey um uh at uh was he a second round pick or he was just low first, I think. Um, I think he might have been second. Yeah, um, he was he was pretty high. And Terry Porter was low first. Um, you know, we we've done Gary Trent Jr., who's blossomed. Um, uh, you know, and even yeah, Lillard. Curry, six. Curry was twenty second. Curry was twenty. Or sorry, Curry was twenty second. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, it's just it's heartbreaking. I remember when I read that the Blazers got the first pick in the Odin KD draft. Mm-hmm. I remember being like, oh, I wish we had number two. Because then you can't make a mistake. You just take the other one. 
<laughs> it's <Right>. not your fault. <laughs> I, I did not think that, um, that Odin, what, what happened to Odin? I thought Odin was going to have a, an amazing career. Um, yeah. But, uh, and I know you, you're, okay. So every, every Blazer fan probably knows this. The last game before he went down, his stat line was something like 16, 22, six blocks, couple assists. <laughs> and he didn't foul out, which was huge for him that, at that point. And we were like, okay, finally, He's it's, coming along. it's all coming together. And then, I remember getting home, seeing um, on ESPN on my phone that he had he'd only played like four minutes that game, and I was like, oh. mm-hmm. heartbreaking. Yeah, and, and the thing that really kills about okay, it's bad enough you don't have Jordan, you don't have Durant. Okay, that's bad enough. But the two guys you did have never were able to materialize anything because <clears throat> they were injured. So it's like it, it. Let's okay. So Durant and Jordan are A plus players. If the guy you had taken instead was a B plus player, yeah, you could survive, right? Yeah, I mean yeah. that's that's what kills. Had Bowie been a B plus player center yeah. with that team, they would have been contenders. Had yeah. Odin been a B plus player, who knows what he, Roy, and Aldridge would have done? It would have been, and if Roy's knees had collapsed on him. Yeah, I mean it yeah. would have been that would have been. I mean we never would have got. Someone was saying no, 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 no. We never would have gotten Lillard then, even which know is who fine. Was Blazers fans no. even know who he was? Exactly because we would have won a championship. <laughs> exactly, and that's no aspersions on Lillard. I no, love him as much not. as I've loved any Blazer. Blazer, but oh my God, you can't think that way. Stop. It's just that would have that team was primed, and I yes. remember, um, you know, the, the, the what was it? Future. Uh, future rankings that ESPN would have um, like a year, two years in a row, the Blazers were like the number one in the future rankings. And it just did not. It just didn't happen. Okay. So you, you, I have a list here of questions. So your earliest memory you gave me seeing this, this uh, LaRue Martin, right? Running around the court. That made you a fan. The back east, back east, you told me how you made the fan. What's probably your favorite memory as a fan? Like what's the singular moment that happened where you were, that if someone said you could take this in a time capsule, this one game, you get one game on DVD to go to, to Mars with that you can only watch. Which one would you take? <laughs> well, the, the champion game six of the championship uh, series was just on um, flashback or whatever. <clears throat> um, a couple days ago. And my wife and I were going to watch a movie and I just sort of looked at her puppy dog eyes and she's like, yes, we can watch. <laughs> So I'd take that, um, and I would take Sean Lee's call. Now I was in DC at the time, so I didn't hear. I heard. Um, I don't think it was Marv Albert. It was uh, Brent Musburger. Brent Musburger, right? <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Um, but I got this album that was Blazer Mania um, Mutual uh, Mutual uh, No uh, Whatever. Oh, what it doesn't matter. Anyway, they put out this album with a bunch of calls. It was like the story of the season. I'm gonna loop that, by the way. But go ahead. uh the uh he narrated the story of the season and there were a lot of calls from the radio obviously so what is ingrained in my mind now and was from as soon as i got that record which was just months after the uh after the, the championship was philadelphia ball five seconds to go Inbound pass to McGinnis. Drive, stop, pump, shoot, short, no good, and the game is over! <laughs> you have it memorized. Wow. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the Portland Trailblazers are number one. Anyway, so that I would take with me. And it's on my – it's it, it's it's a ringtone I sometimes use. Sometimes. Nice. So you were nine, right? I would take – oh, sorry. I would – you know what I would take? The game I would take? Game five, um, the wave shot. The bad shot when we beat OKC. I would take that game oh. with me. 
Um, over the I, over the the championship game. Um, the- I mean, you're talking about what, what I want to watch over and over. The quality of that championship game was uh, the, the the video is uh, okay. Okay. <laughs> I mean, okay. So, so I so would your take modern, that your game. modern day moment would be the wave. It probably would. I mean, okay. uh, yeah, yeah. Okay, that's fair. Um, give me your biggest disappointment aside from the drafting of the Jordan Durant thing. Like, right. And that goes, that- yeah. And I'll say that those weren't disappointments at the time. Although yeah. yes, I guess drafting Bowie and not picking Jordan. Uh, no one knew Jordan was going to be what he was, but um, I remember people were like, you know, it's, Oh, he missed two full seasons. I mean, he's not Patrick I Ewing. Know. He's not Elijah on. Exactly. So, for me, the immediate, in terms of feeling, seeing something, reading something, hearing something, and having an immediate feeling of disappointment, was losing the coin flip, so that we didn't mm-hmm. get Elijah one. We would, right. we would absolutely have taken Elijah one, and then Drexler and Elijah one together again. Ooh. That team would have, that would have won championships, multiple championships, multiple for sure. Um, so that's huge. Um, that moment I described when I saw that stat line for Odin and knew that he was down again. Um, that one, um, yeah. There's one you're are... missing. There's one. There's one. You, maybe you you suppressed it, but there has. I know there's one lingering out there. Oh, is... okay. All right. Well, I'll give you two. Um, I'll give you two. Uh, two games. Um, both against the Lakers. Both yeah. um, Western Conference Finals. The the we were coming back, and uh, Drexler uh, had poked a steal and slammed it. The very next time down the court, half court, Kersey, um Porter gets a steal, passes it to Kersey, who's got a lane, but he sees at the last second Cliff Robinson under the basket. And I think Cliff just wasn't expecting it because mm-hmm. it's Kersey. He's going to slam it. And it's just like one pass too many, and it goes right through Cliff's hands out of bounds. He does block a shot at the other end to make up for it somewhat. And Porter has a uh, has his little baseline shot that bounces off. Magic gets the rebound. Throws it and it just bounce, bounce, bounce down the court. That yeah. killed me. Ninety-one West Finals. Yep. And yeah. then um, the two thousand finals when um, people forget we were we were down three games to one. Yeah. So we we have we now have because we were up fifteen very very late. It's an epic collapse to lose that game. Um, it was about to be an epic a collapse of epic proportions for the Lakers. Because they were down 15 after being up three games to one. Mm-hmm. And it just didn't happen. So, so I was doing a lot of future bets back then where I, I'd, I'd play future bets to win the title, like almost like the stock market. And so I had finessed it to where if the, if the Lakers won the NBA title, I would win like $1,500. If the, if the Pacers won the, NBA, won the NBA title, I'd win like 2500 because I got a good money line on them because, they, because the West was favored to win it. But I had the Blazers. If the Blazers won the NBA title, I was going to win six grand. Oh, wow. So I you know that they would have won the championship. It. They would have well, won yeah. that finals. Yeah. So I'm sitting there 15, up 15 in the fourth quarter. I'm literally counting. I'm like, I'm going to buy this. I'm going to buy that. I'm going to buy G.I. Joe the country grill because I was one of one as a kid. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to buy one of those and then I'm going to get this. And then I'll never forget when they just collapsed. I was like, you're uh, kidding me. All I saw was this money flying away, but I still ended oh, up yeah. making money because the Lakers won it because I worked sure. the futures how I worked it. But oh my goodness, that, that was just tragic watching was, that happen. I remember seeing just shot after shot, like Rashid had just been a monster all game and it's just everything missing. He couldn't buy a shot in the end. And um, 
Smitty had a couple shots to just yep. clank. That was it was one weird call. He was uh, I think they called an offensive foul on him against Shaq in the middle. That was like was ridiculous and whatever. I had my issues with how Shaq was was refed. Yeah, back in those days. But at the same time, you know, benefit of hindsight, he was he was unprecedented. The refs probably didn't know what they to do. They didn't know what to do with him. They're like, we could call oh. offensive foul on him every single time, but the yeah. the network and the TV and the league would not like that because no. Shaq's selling tickets and ads. and Yeah, uh, and, you know, so he's standing there. He's so big and strong. Someone's guarding him. He pivots, and a guy gets sort of dislodged. Is that a foul? <laughs> I mean, maybe, but, but it's hard to, hard to know. Right, anyway. exactly. So. Okay, so and then the next year, they had the best record in the league on Drexler night. I was at Drexler night yeah. and they lost to the Grizzlies, then uh-huh. went to the Grizzlies and lost again. And then it all just spiraled out of control. And Crazy. they got blown out by the Lakers again in the playoffs as a sixth seed, I think, that year because they fell from one to six. But anyway. Yeah, my take on that was like the personalities, the way it was put together, um, the Witsit. Uh, yeah, there's too many pieces. It's just too many pieces. And yeah. and that was one one bad streak, you know, one. one um, one moment where the team really had to come together, they were that that one moment away from it all falling apart. Yeah, it was like it was MacGyvered together almost. Even well, though, yeah, and he and Whitsitt blew it with the chemistry thing because people were already worried about playing time, and he kept adding more guys. Like just point guard alone, you had Stoudemire was alienated by Anthony, Greg Anthony, and you were trying to. Figure, I remember there's a story almost every other week in the in the Oregonian about the playing time issue at point guard, and then you add Rod Strickland. <laughs> Who's better than both? And it's like, okay, so now what? So now everyone's really pissed. And then Tramp and Kemp and just they gave Jermaine, traded Jermaine O'Neal. Do you remember? When, okay, what were your feelings when they got Kemp? Because I was thinking, oh, this is going to be awesome. And then I went to a preseason game and he came out of the tunnel. And I was like, he's like 290. Yeah, I, um, I, I always had high hopes for Jermaine O'Neal. I don't know. Like there were a couple games when I would see him come in and just like the look on his face. I, I don't think he was starstruck or anything, but he looked, he, he just had the, the resting face was sort of right. deer in headlights. Um, so I just had this affection for him. I was like, okay. Oh, and, and, and he's going to make it here and it's going to be, you know, he's going to grow up and become our next superstar. And he did grow up and become a superstar. It's just not ours. Just I not got him. to meet him. Um, I went to one of the first uh, uh, Big Three games at the at Barclays Center, mm-hmm. and I knew a guy who uh, who was involved behind the scenes, and he took me down um, to meet some people. He, he introduced me to Clyde Drexler, who was a coach at the time. I got to meet Dr. J, who I think was one of the um, was one of the commissioners, um, and then I got to meet Bonzi Wells. Mm. And I've always loved Bonzi. I know there were some issues. I know that, but I've always loved Bonzi. And my and I got to meet him and tell him that. And I said, and I think there are probably a lot of people in Portland who, who still have fond memories of you. And I, I talked about the first time he sort of exploded into my consciousness was like this out of nowhere, this baseline move where a guy much bigger than him was in front of him, and he just sort of sideways Jordan dunked it. And I, in my brain, my exaggerated mind, uh, <laughs> he hung there with his, you know, like the whatever that, that uh, by his uh, by his elbow for a while, right. which he didn't. And he was like, "Oh my god, yeah, they used to call me Baseline Bonzi," and um, so it was a nice moment. And then he knocked on a dressing room door, and Jermaine O'Neal came out, 
And so I got to meet him and they both watched Billions, which was fun for me so that I wasn't just in their minds, just someone who was, how did, how did you get back here? I, I, <laughs> um, uh, and I said to Jermaine, like, dumbest thing the Blazers ever did was trade you away. And he's like, right? <laughs> right? <laughs> right? <laughs> so, but they both were very nice. Um, and I have such a fondness for like that whole era. The, I mean, think about it. Every 10 years-ish, 10-ish years, we would have a championship caliber team. The 77 and 78 teams. Right. Um, the uh, sorry, that's that's Brooklyn, Brooklyn <laughs> are they coming fauna. To, are they coming to get you? Yeah, we got we got to we got to speed this up. <laughs> I got to wrap this up. Uh, yes, officer, hold on. Um, but then, uh, then the Drexler years was ten years later, and then the Sheed years was ten years after that. Right. Bonus years. It, it, I kind of thought that was going to continue to happen, and it didn't. <laughs> we thought well, maybe there's nothing around 2010, but then the, what? Then the West but Finals, the Roy Odin Lamarcus oh, yeah. team would have been yeah. that. Um, oh, and I'll tell you one more d- deeply upsetting, uh, disappointing thing about the Blazers. <laughs> this is becoming depressing. Go yeah, ahead. well, Wesley Matthews, Matthews <laughs> oh, blowing out I his know. 2015. That was a team yeah. that was you know another fringe contender champ, uh, uh, cont- contender, contender. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, so give me your. Top five. You're, you're starting. Your all-time Blazers starting five. True to uh, the position: point guard, shooting guard, small forward, power forward, center. Damn. Um, okay, point guard's Lillard. Point guard is definitely <laughs> Lillard. Although Terry Porter is probably my favorite Blazer ever. So oh, okay. Um, backup Lillard. I mean, backup uh, Porter. <laughs> backup Porter. Um, uh, Clyde Drexler. Um, I'm going Bill Walton over Sabonis. Um, young Sabonis, if we if, uh, from from when we drafted him, mm-hmm. maybe Sabonis. But I'm going to go with Bill Walton. People forget how great he was. Yes, um, just longevity, uh, which is sort of the story for Blazer uh, centers. Um, I want I, I I love Buck, but I'm going to go Maurice Lucas. Okay. Um, and then I think I'll go Sheed. Put Rashid a small forward. Okay. We'll allow it. Okay. <laughs> okay. I mean, so I, then, lo- I love Kersey too. You like he's a glue guy. It might and and again, Kersey is yeah yeah. So Kersey would be your backup three, and then Bonzi would be your backup two, or McCollum. Um. Well, if I'm going defense, you know, you got to think about someone like uh, got to think about someone like West. But um, I'm going to go McCollum. Yeah, definitely. Okay. Love. I love. And so is, is now who would be your backup power forward, Buck or Aldridge, or another one? That's tough, isn't it? Um, yeah. I think I, I think we're going to need. Um, I, I think I've gone heavy with um, with scores, so I think I'm going to go Buck. Need some need some D. Yeah, okay, but so this, but LA is right behind. Okay, two A. So this leads me to my next question. Uh-oh. Probably actually my, my final question. Greatest Blazer. Ever, uh, you know, um, it comes down to three. Uh, I think that's pretty obvious. Right. Walton, Drexler, and Lillard. I think when all is said and done, there's a very good chance that it'll be a no-brainer. That Lillard will be a, a no-brainer. But um, and statistics-wise, stats-wise, um, and certainly in terms of being spectacular, you got Drexler. 
but I have to go. It's hard. I mean, this, the, the argument for, for Bill Walton is that he won the championship. He won the MVP. Right. He changed the way people saw Portland and Portland basketball. He created Blazer Mania. I mean, they all did, but you know, it's because of him more than anybody else that Blazer Mania is a thing, but that, that when other, I mean, I'm knocking wood as I say this, but that even during the lean years, Portland didn't, uh, the Blazers didn't leave Portland. Um, it's, it changed, he changed everything. That championship, even though it was 50 years ago, changed everything. So I think I'm going to have to go, even though it ended badly and it was very short, I think I have to go Bill Walton. See, and I agree 100%. <clears throat> I tweeted about this the other day when the discussion came up again, because there's, I mean, there's different criteria. If you want to just go volume and statistics, then it's going to be Lillard. He's going to have all the statistical records, yeah. right? Yeah. To me, though, defense matters and winning matters. So I, I'm going to have Drexler ahead of Lillard until Lillard wins more. Right. And Drexler was a finished second in MVP. Yeah. He was considered a good defender. He could play three positions. Dream team. Score, dream team. He didn't score as much as Lillard, but in, that's in part because he didn't need to. Yeah. He did have years where he scored 27. And yeah. if Lillard won on a championship team, he wouldn't be scoring 29 on the championship team. Um, but to me, if it comes down to just the greatest talent to ever play, regardless of how many years you played or what have you, if you were drafting, you would take Walton. Walton was yeah. an MVP, like you said, one, led your team to the title. No one's ever yeah. done that. And he, had he not been injured, they win multiple titles. He yep. wins multiple MVPs. I mean, the next year when they lost to the Sonics in the playoffs, he wasn't playing. Yeah. Had he been playing, they don't lose that series probably. No. They were so, 50 and 10 when he went down. Yeah. So for me, it's 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 clearly he's the greatest yeah. player to ever play. But does that make him the greatest pl- blazer as well? It depends on how you want to define the words, really. Yeah, it's it's hard. Um, it's 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 really hard, and a lot of people have bad feelings about how because it did end um, uh, sat badly. Yeah. Um, but you know, it was. It, I don't know. I just I keep coming back to it. Changed everything. It really changed everything. And you know, another mark. Uh, uh, another thing for both. And I think Lillard would do this too. But another thing about both uh, Drexler and Walton is that they could have both scored a lot more. Um, what was the, you know, Walton um, in uh, one of the uh, NCAA championships was 18 for 19 or 21 for 22, I think. 21 for 22, right. Yeah. You know, the guy could score. As he just, he, that, he didn't right. care to, about his stats. It was, it was, uh, he'd rather have a, a beautiful assist. He'd rather. Facilitate that gorgeous offense. Drexler, Drexler was scoring 27 and he sublimated his scoring <clears> for <throat> the rest of the team and the team became better. That's also the mark of a great teammate. And so right. you're taking that into account um, when you weigh them. I do think that Lillard would do that too. Um, and, and watching the way that he um, allows, allows, it's a little hard, strong, but yeah, allows CJ to take over games when he's hot, like in the, what, uh, the, the Nuggets series a couple years ago. Right. Um, you know, that, that has to count for, for something too. And you're talking about great Blazers. Speaking of CJ, I almost forgot about this question. A lot of, there's two camps out there. Trade CJ for someone else or keep CJ and try and add someone else, which has been proven impossible so far. Would you trade CJ McCollum for the right deal? I think I, I love state this for the record. I love CJ. I love him. Um, I think that that run uh, to the Western Conference Finals showed that this team can't that they we can win with those two being your your top guys. Um, if if Nurkic hadn't been hurt and if Cantor hadn't been playing with one arm, um, we would have taken the Warriors a lot further at least. Um, 
So that said, I don't know that you can say for sure about any player that you wouldn't trade them for the right deal. I mean, look at what Toronto did. You know, DeMar- uh, DeRozan was was a fixture. Loved him, and he was loyal. I I, I don't know what that right deal would be. Um, maybe we can get Embiid. <laughs> <laughs> now you know it's just it's it's hard it's hard to answer that question. Um, right. I uh, because sometimes when people are talking about what ask that question, they're talking about something else too. They're talking about can it really work with CJ here? And I do think it can, and I love CJ. Um, so it would it would have to be a pretty good deal. Home run, yeah, home run. All right, cool. Yeah. Well, thanks so much for joining me, Kelly. I appreciate it. When now? When will season eight air? Or season? Eight, yes. Season. Okay. Seven, so, seven. No, I love yeah, your you, lips to God's ears with season eight. Um, no, this is season five. That's right. So five. we're halfway through. I don't know when season five, the the back half of season five, will air yet. They don't. They don't tell me. Yeah. I find out when they announce it. Um, and you guys got renewed for season six already. That's right. And that we're starting up with season six um, really soon, like in a couple couple weeks. Nice. But uh, yeah, I've got uh, – I don't think I'm on again until June 3rd. So I'm going to try to come out and see my parents. I've just got – as I said, it got back so in two uh, – yesterday. So in two weeks, I might come out to Portland and see my parents. Hit me up. I will. I will. <laughs> we'll both be you. safe. <laughs> I know. I can't wait. I, I, I told my wife, I'm about to run amok. <laughs> in two months. In yeah, Portland doesn't weeks. know what's going to hit him. <laughs> She's like, right. Like, you have to run amok in your life, you square. Right. Yeah, you go to bed at 10 now, Kelly. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks again for joining me, man. I really appreciate it. It was so great. It's great to see your face. Great to talk. You too, brother. <laughs>